You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. We are less than a week away uh, from off-season football. Spring football for the Miami Hurricanes is set to start on Monday, March 4th. And we are here to preview that in this week's podcast just kind of set the table, give come some of our thoughts uh, on Miami for this month of offseason football, uh, some of the interesting position battles, you know, potential areas of growth for the team, players we're keeping an eye on, et cetera, et cetera, going into an important month of spring football because it does it does lay the foundation for the upcoming season gives the coaching staff a an idea of what the personnel looks like and, and if they need to tweak some things via the spring transfer portal window, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, expectations are high for Miami. We, we touched on it in our last podcast. Uh, they're, they're expected to be right in the mix for an ACC championship game berth. And so, uh, again, this team will start to come together here on the field in the spring in less than a week. So, Gabby, let's just start things off with a big picture topic. Um, and, and let's just discuss a storyline that maybe you find interesting going into the spring. Uh, I think for me, a big storyline is just how far is this team from being a legitimate conference contender? You know, I think Miami made a lot of moves in the offseason to kind of elevate, uh, you know, I guess the floor, the ceiling, everything of this program, going out and getting a guy like Cam Ward, uh, a lot of young guys that were, you know, high-level contributors kind of a year older. I I'm just kind of looking at the overall depth of this team. Like, how far is this? Like, what what more does this team need? Is this team uh, close to kind of being that? Maybe if we're aiming for that 10-win mark, how, how close does this team look from a depth perspective of, of reaching that? What more do we need to add, right? Like, I think we kind of go into the spring thinking we know, like, oh, maybe they can use a piece here or there. But I think it was... 
you know, sometime last spring or, or I think both of us were just kind of like, I feel like this team needs a running back. Uh, you know, that wasn't something I went into spring kind of feeling. And then, you know, I think that kind of emerged as a as a real issue to me. Uh, so I'm, I'm just kind of curious what like how far is this team from from looking like what we think it could potentially be? How far away are they? How many pieces do they kind of need? Who are some of these young guys that are going to step up? Like who's going to kind of step up to the plate and kind of answer the call? Uh, for me, I'm just kind of going to be looking at is this team a 10 win team right now or how close how far are we away from this what what would that look like to you to where you you feel comfortable like okay this this team has a chance to go win 10 games is there a position group in particular multiple position groups young guys stepping up like what does that look like to you yeah, I think it's at a lot of positions, you know, like I, I think just what the overall depth looks like, uh, you know, I think especially at corner, like I think like someone like Jadis Richard taking the next step outside of Damari Brown and, and Daryl Porter safety. What like what does this safety situation look like? Like, you know, between Savion Riley and Zaquan Patterson, uh, Michelle Powell, where is he going to line up? Uh, I, I mean, I think even linebacker, I think Wesley Besaint is someone that I think needs to kind of take that next step. Like what is that will that will linebacker situation going to kind of look like? Uh, running back, I think, is another one with Mark Fletcher, again, probably not participating a whole ton or at all. Uh, what does that running back situation look like, even offensive line with the left guard? Like, I think that there's there's definitely some some holes or some places where it's just I think that there's opportunity for guys to step up. Um, but I think this this spring is about that is seeing who's kind of going to answer that call. And it's going to be someone who's going to be able to be reliable in the spring. And uh, again, I think that this we've talked about this a ton. This is this feels like a go for it year. And I don't think that, uh, you know, they can waste a ton of time or, or maybe take chances uh, on on certain guys if they don't feel like they're ready. So uh, I, I think a lot of this spring is going to be about figuring out who's who's ready to go on this run on this potential run with them. And uh, so that's what I'm kind of looking like, like, who, like how far, how much do they need to get done to look like who they want to be in 2024? Yeah, for me, I think one of the interesting storylines for this year's team going into the spring uh, has to do with continuity at the coordinator level. And and I think in the off season, we get so caught up in what is new, what is different, who are the new faces, whether that's new players or new coaches. But I do think it, it should not be understated going into this 2024 season that Miami is uh, bringing back both Shannon Dawson to lead the offense and Lance Guidry to be, to lead the defense. I think, you know, anytime you bring in new coordinators, uh, there is a learning curve with those coordinators in terms of their learning, what the, you know, what they're working with. Uh, that's not going to be the case here in year two going into this spring. They know what they have with the players, with most of the players. Of course, there's new guys that they do need to learn about as well. But for the most part, they know about the players that are coming back, their strengths and weaknesses. And I think they can make the necessary tweaks with their approach on game day or schematic, um, you know, schematics uh, to improve. And I think, look, we, we've talked about in previous podcasts how on both sides of the ball, Miami saw improvement in year one of both of these systems. Uh, talking about Shannon Dawson, they jumped from 23.6 points per game under Josh Gaddis to 31.5 points per game in year one of Shannon Dawson. In terms of yards per play, they jumped from 4.8 yards per play in 2022 
to 6.1 yards per play in 2023. Those are really strong jumps uh, in one year, in the first year of a new system. Uh, to me, Gabby, when we're talking about the offense and, you know, there's always more to improve on. I mean, Miami essentially was, you know, a top 40 offense. They were barely a top 40 offense, but still top 40 offense. That was a nice improvement here in the Shannon Dawson and Shannon Dawson's first year. To me, the, the next step is taking the execution to another level. You know, we, we talk about a lot the Tyler Van Dyke interceptions that he threw in 2023. I'd say, you know, look, if we're being honest, maybe three or four of them, maybe five uh, were, you know, the receiver was probably strongly at fault for some of those interceptions by making a wrong decision, whether that's just running the wrong route, making the wrong read while they are reacting to the coverage. And, you know, as fans or as media, all we see is the interception that the quarterback throws. But there is a lot that goes into that, especially in the Shannon Dawson system uh, at the receiver position group. So those type of mistakes, I think, should be cleaned up in year two of the Shannon Dawson system, especially with, you know, your returning veteran guys now like Xavier Restrepo and Jacoby George. Um, to me, the other area where there can be noticeable improvement in terms of execution is red zone touchdown percentage. Miami scored a touchdown on 57.6% of its red zone trips. That ranks 90th in the country. Um, I went and looked, Gabby, at the top 40 scoring offenses in 2023, and only three teams had the same or the worst red zone scoring touch red zone touchdown scoring percentage than Miami. Louisiana was the same. Uh, they were ranked 90th in the country. Tennessee ranked at 106 in the country, and Texas ranked 120th uh, in red zone touchdown percentage. So uh, if Miami is able to execute in the red zone, they should take another leap in points per game. Um, I think some of that, you know, just on the surface level, you know, you can see how Miami can improve in that phase of offense. Uh, when you just look at the personnel, Cam Ward provides a, a run threat in the red zone. He's not a running quarterback, but he can run in that short area. He can be a touchdown threat. I think he ran for eight touchdowns last year. Uh, I think you would hope that Elijah Arroyo is good to go, fully healthy from his uh, you know, recovery process. Tight ends can always be a weapon in the red zone, and a, a healthy Arroyo, Arroyo can be that. Also, Mark Fletcher should be the lead back for the entire season. He's a big body back. Uh, which makes him effective in the red zone, which we saw last year at times as well. So I'd like to see Miami jump to being, you know, from a top 40 offense to a top 25 offense. To me, that means, you know, limiting the turnovers a little better than they did last year and also averaging, honestly, 33 to 34 points per game would get you uh, to a top 25 offense. 35 points per game would be a nice jump. I think that's on the table, but, um, you know, We'll see how it all gels together here in the spring. When we talk about Gidry's defense, you know, I think we also, of course, saw improvements in his first year. Miami allowed 22.8 points per game in 2023.
that was an improved mark from the Kevin Steele defense in, in 22, uh, in which they allowed 26.8 points per game. In terms of yards per play allowed, it improved from 5.1, or so, sorry, from 5.6 to 5.1 year over year. So nice jump there. And I honestly, Gabby, I don't think the numbers necessarily reflect how how much improved Miami's defense was year over year, considering everything Gidry had to deal with during the course of the season. He had to change the structure of their defense for a lot of the, the second half of the season, going to some 3-3-5 looks. Never made excuses, just uh, made some tweaks, and Miami figured it out. And for the most part, sustained their top 40-ish level play uh, even though they had to make some changes to that structure. What has me most excited about year two under Gidry is when you look at the leap his Marshall defenses made from year one to year two of his tenure there. In 2021, uh, the Marshall defense allowed 23.8 points per game. This 20, the, the, the next year, the 2022 Marshall defense allowed only 16 points per game, which was sixth best in the country. Um, then you look at third down percentage defense in 21, Marshall allowed 37.2%, which was 47th, uh, in 2022, Marshall's defense ranked first in the country and third down defense allowing 23 and a half, uh, conversion rate by opponents. So essentially in year two, uh, during his Marshall tenure, they went from a top 40 defense to a top 10 defense. You know, can that type of leap be expected at Miami? We'll see. It's it's different when you're playing against power five, uh, or sorry, I guess now it's power four opponents and power four coaches week after week after week. But I still think that a, a leap into from being a top 40 defense to a top 25 defense is doable for Gidry in year two here. Essentially, all this is to say, Gabby, I do think the coordinator continuity is something that, you know, is important, especially, you know, in in this Mario Cristobal uh, regime. You know, I think he he's not against changing things up, uh, but I do think there's value to sustaining a, a, a same system and same messaging at the coordinator level as Miami is trying to, as you were saying earlier, be a 10-win program, I do think both coordinators coming back should help Miami's case to accomplish that goal from an execution standpoint. Um, so I don't know if you have anything you'd like to add there at all with those thoughts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to me, it's just, I don't even know when was the last time Miami had this, right? Like, I don't know. You might know better than me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Like, I don't even know when the last time Miami both brought coordinators. back. Both, yeah, both coordinators. Yeah, this I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I don't know if you know the answer exactly, but it feels while. like feels like it's been a while. Um, so I just it's think probably pro, the Mark Rick days, right? I feel like it has to be right. Yeah. So it's 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 been two coaching tenures, three coaching tenures since since the OC and the DC has returned. And I, I do. I think I think that stuff matters. Um, I mean, I think we'll uh, you mentioned all like especially I think especially defensively with Lance Gidry and you hear those Marshall, you know, jumps and it's 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 big. And I think it's fair to expect yeah, maybe not that big of a jump. But I just think on both sides of the ball, like having that sense of familiarity, uh, mm -hmm. I, I think is just going to be so big for for a program. I, th I think it's just about 
just kind of having that that con that constant like the consistency that I think maybe is lacked for such a long time around here. And I think it's important. I mean, we'll see how I, I, I don't know how you measure that, but I, it feels like it's something that matters. And I think both guys are are they run systems that I think fit what they want, like what this program can be and, you know, the skills and the talent around it. And uh, I, I'm encouraged about having both of those guys back and, and what that looks like. And I think, again, just from the a verbiage standpoint of just instead of I feel like this is the first time we're talking about a spring and like a side of the ball is not learning something new. Like yeah. I think last spring, it was both sides of the ball. We're learning something new uh, this, this spring, you know, obviously you have new freshmen and you have transfers, but you know, for the most part, like, you know, there's guys on the team that could be like, Oh, Hey, like, this is how we do this. Or like, you know, it's not, everyone's learning at the same time. There's just a group of individuals that are learning what needs are, are kind of catching up. Right. And I think the fact that everyone's just kind of building on to what they already kind of know, at least the structure of that they've been a part of for a year now and uh, taking that into a second year, I, I think that that, uh, you know, just instead of thinking, you're just kind of playing. And because I think you just actually learn it and you consume it and you just build upon that and you can expand on it. And I think that's where I I, I feel good about, you know, where, where that especially makes me feel good. is just the fact that it's not where there, there's not a bunch of students in the room. It's just kind of guys that understand and and feel like there's that, that that they're just building upon what they already know rather than just kind of blank, you know, fresh slate and all that. So I, I love that both coordinators coming back for, you know, aside that I think both of them are good. I think just for those reasons as well. Yeah. They, they should in theory hit the ground running at the start of the spring, which isn't the case when you're, you're bringing in new coordinators. So that, that should be an advantage for this team in terms of, you know, getting ready to go here early on in, in the month of spring football in particular. Uh, how about just position groups, big picture wise, Gabby? Is there a position group that you find most interesting this spring and why? Yeah, for me, it's probably safety just because it's it's going to be so new. It's, uh, you know, you lose Camp Kitchens to James Williams, the NFL, you go out and get two transfers in Savion Riley from Vanderbilt. You get Michelle Powell from Washington. Uh, you know, there, there's just so much new, right? Lance Gidry is the position coach. So you have kind of like defensive coordinator there. So it's just where, wh like for me, it's just like, what does that room look like? I mean, I think Savion Riley is a true safety. Uh, Michelle Powell, where, like, where does he line up? Is he going to be maybe more of a slot? Is he going to actually play back and be the safety uh, can Zaquan Patterson, the true freshman, push for some playing time? Like, can he can he do something to get on the field? Uh, Jaden Harris had to kind of fill in for Cam Kitchens last year when he got hurt. And, you know, can he take another step? We know he's really fast. Uh, you know, Miami, you know, they flipped Caleb Spencer from Oklahoma a couple cycles ago. They wanted him really bad. Like, how's Caleb Spencer, who's a, a big, big body? How's he kind of developed? And then, you know, again, they go out and even get a guy like Isaiah Taylor, uh, you know, Jason Taylor's son from Arizona, who has started games at the Power Five level. Like, you know, is he going to be a rotational guy? You have Markeith Williams in there going into year three. You know, you would hope that th that's a year that he kind of starts to really take some of those next steps. Like, I'm kind of fascinated by the safety room and, and what that's going to eventually look like especially if in a situation where michelle powell does kind of end up being sort of like your nickel and like fills in at that spot so uh i think the safety the safety room is going to be very interesting and then we get a pretty up close look at the safety room during spring practice because they kind of practice on our side where we're standing so i i, I think safety is going to be pretty interesting if you were projecting and we'll include like 
big nickel as a safety. Okay. Yeah. If you were, I'm putting you on the spot, but if you're projecting yeah. the top three safeties, how would you project them and where would you put them? Yeah. I mean, I guess Powell would be, I, I, I'd probably go Michelle Powell, like, I don't know, big nickel safety type. Um, Savion Riley, I think is, is, is going to be back there. And I don't know, maybe Jaden Harris. I don't know. I I don't know if I'm ready to kind of put Zaquan Patterson up there yet. Like, I feel like we kind of need to see it, but maybe I'd go Jaden Harris and kind of like that Cam Kitchens role, maybe saving on Riley, maybe more in that James Williams role. And then Michelle Powell is kind of like the big nickel. Uh, if I was guessing, that's probably how I would kind of draw it up, but I'm not 100% sure what that's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's wrong. I kind of like the idea of Zaquan as the big nickel and then Powell and uh, Riley. Right back as, there. Yeah, yeah, that could work too. I just, um, just depends. I need, we need Zaquan to come along. I, I'm very curious to see how right. that one's going to kind of yeah, go. Yeah, is, is he ready is the question. Yeah, there. he's got to be ready. I'm not sure. But Powell is interesting because for the most part, he's played like in his college career at Washington, he's played either as an outside corner or as a nickel. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah. I would probably project him as a nickel, yeah. um, or that big nickel. Uh, but yeah, it, safety is definitely interesting. Um, cause you, as you alluded, like Jaden Harris has something to him. Markeith has something to him. Uh, Spencer does have something to him. So, uh, all, a lot of guys pushing for roles and we'll see, um, what that competition yields for me. Um, you know, I, I find the wide receiver group interesting because it's a mix of returning talent that has produced guys like Xavier Restrepo and Jacoby George, you know, and, and I'm curious, can they level up even more with a new quarterback in Cam Ward, who does a nice job of, of getting the ball out very quick in that quick passing game, which is an important part of any air raid system and Shannon Dawson system. Uh, so that should help, you know, Xavier and Jacoby in the yards after catch aspect of the short passing game. And then the wide, wide receiver group also features kind of some young slashed inexperienced players that are pushing for roles. And I'm curious, you know, what cream rises to the top, uh, you know, in terms of those guys pushing for, playing time, whether that's, you know, earning that third starting spot or pushing for a spot in the playing rotation. You know, you have a guy like Isaiah Horton, you know, who's going to get a big opportunity this spring to show what he can do probably as a starting outside receiver. Um, you know, Jojo Trader, talented early enrollee freshman, you know, is he going to attack the spring like a guy that is hungry to play on day one, or is he going to go through the motions like most freshmen do? You know, what type of level up do we see here in year two from guys like Robbie Washington and Ray Ray Joseph, some speedsters that do have some talent, but still kind of learning how to play receiver at this college level. Also Nikar, another early enrollee freshman. What does he look like here early on guy that seems to uh, have some, natural instincts for the wide receiver position. So, uh, you know, I'm also curious just what type of chemistry the wide receiver group can build with Cam Ward 
during the course of the spring. You know, Cam Ward, um, you know, he's very good at improvising. And I'm curious, you know, in those quote unquote scramble drill situations that arise at times in which he's improvising or buying time from outside the pocket, you know, do these receivers know where to go to give him some easy throws in those situations? Do they have a feel for when Cam Ward breaks from the pocket? I think these are important aspects to get the most out of playing with a quarterback like Cam Ward um, in 2024. And look, it, just in general, Gabby, I think we've been clear. We feel like Miami will probably go out and get a proven receiver in the portal once the spring transfer portal window opens. Uh, but this is an opportunity for one of these inexperienced players to make a case that that is not needed, you know, if they go out and have a strong spring performance. So I'm curious in general what this wide receiver group looks like, both with Xavier Restrepo and Jacoby George. Uh, playing with a new quarterback in Cam Ward, and also just that young group. You know, how hungry are they to go out and work and then perform at a high level um, as they, you know, compete for for bigger roles? Yeah, I think it's this is a, this is gonna be a huge, huge spring for for those wide receivers. Just about developing that kind of continuity uh, of taking that next step, getting a feel for Cam Ward. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke had kind of been the guy for. A while, like he's been here forever. I think they they kind of understand that. But Cam, uh, I, I think it's a, a I think it's a great opportunity for this wide receiver. If I if I'm these wide receivers, I'm just like you know again we're talking about like some of the young guys kind of post or go through the motions. Like you got to be just absolutely fired up about an opportunity to play with a quarterback like Cam Ward and uh, it just the again just the way that this offense is built. I mean they're spraying the ball around all over the place. I mean Xavier yeah. Strippo went for over a thousand. Jacoby George well eight sixty something. I mean if you're a wide receiver in this offense and you're not like juiced up to kind of you know go to work with this guy. I mean you got to kind of check your pulse. Like Isaiah Horton should be like foaming at the mouth, right? Like I mean out, an opportunity to kind of take that outside wide receiver you know job. And again, yeah, maybe they're going to go look and probably will go get an outside wide receiver. But you know you can make that decision a lot harder, or you know right. or, or 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 make it so that they don't feel like they have to go get a top of the line guy. Which... And maybe they just go get a guy by establishing yourself there. Which ideally Miami would prefer, right? right. If a guy yeah. comes out and it would be cheaper, I'm sure. That guy. Sure, yeah. I mean, they would prefer to develop their own guys too, but for sure. Uh, that's the pressure that I don't know if players really feel yet with the portal like they should. Like, you're not only competing with the guys on your team, you're competing against potentially everyone in the country that can right. jump in the portal. So, yeah. Which is like such an unknown because you don't I, and and I I think just from a Miami perspective too like you know I think the this uh, winter transfer window at wide receiver I I think it was active but you know they obviously didn't get a guy I think obviously the quarterback situation how that played out played a role in that yeah but like there's no guarantees either like if you're Miami that just some stud outside wide receiver is just gonna magically pop into the portal you know like i right. think best case scenario is a guy like isaiah horton taking that job and and, and stepping up and making and and like or someone trader. like jojo trader yeah like yeah. jojo trader like he has an opportunity to be a guy who can make plays in this offense like he can do it like they're i mean you talk to anyone who's been around this team this winter and jojo traders is, is almost always the first name that comes up as a guy that's just kind of been you know, a freaky athlete and all that stuff, but there's still, there's still, there's still steps he needs to take, but Jojo Trader should be 
you know, attacking this wide, this, this opportunity this spring to be a guy who can establish himself as a playmaker early on in his career and take an opportunity and, and run with it. And again, well, at that point, you make it easier on the coaches, you make it easier on yourself. And you, you, I think you do have to kind of have that sense of urgency. I, I don't, again, maybe it's not there yet. Maybe these kids aren't at a place yet where they maybe fully grasp it. Maybe they do. I truly don't know. But like, I think you have to see this as an opportunity. Like if they're thinking about going to getting a wide receiver in the portal, like I'm just, you can just be that guy. Like you can just go and, and take that. So yeah, the wide receiver room, you know, outside of, you know, Xavier Strepo, Jacoby George. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really interesting, especially just on that side of the field where it's going to be. And I'm curious who they're going to kind of throw out there. Are they going to throw JoJo behind Isaiah Horton uh, and just let those two kind of compete? Because I think those are maybe your two best options on the roster now as far as outside, like true outside wide receivers. How about a position group that needs to develop depth this spring, whether that's, you know, starters need to prove and the backups or just the backups you don't feel quite comfortable with or you would like to see someone step up or just, hey, it's important for this group to always be on point. Uh, which position group do you want to see develop from a depth standpoint this spring? Yeah, to me, it's corners. I mean, to me, corner is is the first one that comes to mind there. Um, you know, I think you feel pretty good about your top two of Daryl Porter and and Damari Brown. And then after that, it gets to me, to me, it just gets a little dicey. Uh, you know, Jadis Richard again mentioned him before. I think he's super talented. I think he has kind of the tools. I think he has an opportunity to kind of take that next next step and establish some depth. But even if he does do that and you feel good about three corners now, uh, I still would three feel isn't enough. Yeah, three is not enough. So um, let's say Jadis Richard does have a good spring. Like I would still feel like there's a lot more that Miami needs to kind of get out of that cornerback room. Uh, you know, I, you know, guy like maybe Robert Stafford in his second year kind of taking that next step, I think would be really big. Um, you know, there's, I'm trying to think about like just Freeney. some other names. Yeah. Demetrius Freeney. I mean, what are you yeah. going to get? What are you going to get out of him? Uh, so I, I think that there's so just, just the fact that we can't identify who the fourth corner is, is a problem. I would huge, probably huge go with a guy who's not on the roster yet. I, and I, I don't, Personally, feel comfortable with it, but Ryan Mack yeah, is Ryan probably Mack. who I would go with. Uh, but again, he's not he's not a college player yet. So, you know, this is why we've harped on, you know, this recruiting cycle corner is a huge position of need, and that's an area that needs to be leveled up in terms of stacking talent. Yeah, I do. I do think their top three is fine. I think it's even good. I think Daryl's a technician, good college corner. I yeah. think Damari can be on a all ACC team, you know, whether that's first, second, third, I don't know yet, but I think he had Damari has that type of talent and Jadis just has to put it all together. Jadis, his, his thing is just having that feel, you know, those instincts that you need at times at corner and that confidence level. Um, and, and that should come with time. Uh, but I do think he will figure it out as well. But after that, you know, and we saw last year, right? Some of the corners got hurt and they had to dip into their cornerback depth last year. If if Miami has to start doing that this year, you know, as things stand now, that's 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 a tough situation. Again, they could, you know, they have Michelle Powell who can, you know, be a utility guy, I guess, in the secondary to some extent. But uh, and I guess he would probably be your fourth corner if we're like you know, discussing that, but, um, cornerback is a good 
position group to highlight from that standpoint. I'll I'll cheat a little bit. Like I'm not saying the depth is bad, but I just think it's important for this group to maximize the competition and development opportunity of this spring. And I will go with the quarterback group because I just think it's going to be interesting. Like we all know Cam Ward's quarterback one, but who is quarterback two? And, you know, this is, this is a, a position group that Mario Cristobal is probably very, very excited about from a competition level, because in theory, all of these guys should be on edge, uh, pushing their work level to the limit every day. And the cream will rise to the top, whether that's Reese Poffenbarger, the Albany transfer who, you know, last two years starting at Albany, put up good numbers at the FCS level. He's an experienced guy uh, coming in from that level. Jakari Brown has started, I believe, three games at the college level between 2022 and 2023. And then Emery Williams, uh, who might be limited a little bit at the start of spring, but we'll see how he if he's able to be a full go or not. Uh, but I do think by the end of spring, he'll he'll be implemented kind of full go, you know, as much as quarterbacks are in spring football. Uh, but he's a guy, too, that started two games, flashed some intriguing traits. Uh, but all three of these guys, too, have holes in their games that I do think they each need to address. And, and that's kind of what the spring is about. That's what quarterback development is about. You know, every day is going to be vitally important for these players because everything they do on the field and in the film room and in the weight room will be scrutinized by the staff. And, uh, you know, being the backup this year is important because it's it kind of makes you the leader in the clubhouse to potentially be the starter in 2025. Now with the transfer portal, you know, that's always an option too. Uh, so that should also have these guys on edge and pushing things every day as much as they can. But being the backup this year is a huge opportunity. Um, and, and I think the bottom line is the guy that works the hardest and translates that hard work into consistent performance on the field will be the backup. And this is something that this is a competition that's going to go, you know, into, you know, fall camp, into game one, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, having a good backup quarterback situation is one of the more underrated aspects of roster construction in college football. I like that Miami has guys with some traits and some experience to choose from, uh, but I am curious who emerges from this group. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up. Or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If ready PG, parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback room to me is, and Cam Ward's the guy, but uh, it almost feels like spring football 2024 is almost the beginning of the 2025. And maybe this is unfair to say, but to me personally, it feels like almost the beginning of the 2025 quarterback competition just because there's three guys behind Cam Ward who could legitimately be Miami's quarterback in 2025. And like you mentioned, all the experience and all that stuff, like I think it's about, I I think the day-to-day competition of those guys is going to be so fun because it's not even because I I think it's going to be really important to find out who 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 else is that guy like you know who else is who which one of those three kind of emerges and you talk about the cream rising to the top I think the quarterback situation is going to be a lot of fun to watch just I mean we're I, we'll see how much we get to see but I think it's just going to be a, a lot of it's just going to be a lot of fun watching Reese and Jakari and and Emery kind of go. Um, Emery, I guess, to an extent, go at it. And honestly, I'm kind of curious just to watch Reese and Jakari, those two guys kind of go. At it. I want to see what Reese looks like, first of all. I kind of want to see how that yeah. just kind of looks. Size about. People, people seem to like him a lot. Uh, so I'm curious what that's just going to look like. But I don't know. I think it's going to be fascinating, man. I just want to see, just want to see Cam Ward spin it around, too. I think that's going to be yeah. kind of sick, too. So I think a lot about the quarterback room this spring is going to be exciting. How about a, a transfer portal edition, you know, not named Cam Ward, that has you most intrigued this spring? Yeah, for me, I might go Marley Cook, man. Uh, you know, got, got I love me some interior defensive linemen. Uh, and he broke the school squat record. Uh, yeah, apparently. Which, yeah, which is, is kind of nuts when you kind of think about the dudes that have rolled through here. A 705-pound squat. Uh, so he's very strong and uh, we know that defensive tackle is is one of those spots where, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've just felt like they've been a little bit too thin at times. I think it's definitely getting better. And Marley Cook is someone who, you know, I, I mean, I think he could, I guess he going to be a difference maker. Can he be a potential difference maker on the interior? Um, very, very intrigued by Marley Cook and what he potentially brings to that room. Uh, we know he's kind of like a pass rushing defensive tackle type but he's obviously very strong and can he kind of refine right. and become maybe more of a complete defensive tackle, uh, you know, here in his final year of college, I'm assuming his last final year of college uh, before kind of heading off to the league. Like, I think this is a big year for Marley cook. I think this is a kind of a business year for Marley cook. And I think uh, again, I, I want to see how that strength and uh, kind of speed combination translates onto the field. I think the question I have for Marley Cook is, can he be Branson Dean, who I think was a hit for Miami last year, a Purdue transfer portal player at defensive tackle, kind of a similar-ish skill set, you know, little, slightly undersized defensive tackle, um, you know, with some plus athleticism traits in terms of change of direction and, and movement skills. Um, if Marley Cook can essentially be Branson Dean, that's that's a big time addition for Miami. If he's even slightly better than Branson Dean, that is, of course, 
uh, even more encouraging. So I'm with you. I, I think, I think Marley cook, you know, is potentially a big time addition for Miami, but you got to see how it looks, uh, when the pads come on, et cetera, et cetera. For me, um, you know, I think one transfer addition that maybe is not getting much attention relative to the others. And, you know, part of that's just the nature of playing on the offensive line. I'm going to go with Zach Carpenter, the, yeah. the center transfer That's out a of good one. Indiana. Um, you know, we saw last year just the impact having a good center made on the offensive line uh, last year with, with Matt Lee coming in from UCF. No, Matt Lee was a special player. He, he's a big time leader on and off the field. You know, I think they're 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 going to be different centers. So, you know, I think Matt Lee, it's fair to say, is probably more vocal, uh, more kind of in your face as a leader than Zach Carpenter will be. Uh, but that doesn't mean Zach Carpenter can't be a leader as well. I also think, you know, in terms of just as a player, their differences. Matt Lee's probably more athletic than, than Zach Carpenter is, but Zach Carpenter brings uh, better size, probably much better size at the position group, at, at the center spot. Zach Carpenter uh, is huge. Yeah. So, you know, he was a guy that, what, signed with Michigan, played there yeah. for a little bit before transferring to Indiana. So he was a big-time prospect coming out of high school. Um, and, of course, we see what that Michigan program has, you know, done in recent years. Uh, but also, too, you know, last year, that connection between Matt Lee and Tyler Van Dyke was a real strength of the team, real strength of the offense. And so it's important to have, you know, that connection built between Zach Carpenter and, and Cam Ward here during the spring, you know, going into the summer. And then, of course, in fall, in the fall as well. So uh, I think Zach Carpenter is, is kind of a sneaky under the radar addition at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he should continue Miami's offensive line success year over year as Mario Cristobal wants Miami to be the best offensive line in the ACC year after year after year. So I'll go Zach Carpenter. Yeah, no, I love me. Love me some Zach Carpenter. Yeah, he is. A, he is a big body, like huge, huge body. I think he's a little bit probably a different. I think, he, I think he's, definitely going to be kind of different than maybe what Matt Lee was just because I think they're built so different. But uh, I think, I mean, I've heard really good. I've heard good things about Zach Carpenter so far. And look, these guys know what they're doing and they know what they're looking for, uh, you know, at the offensive line. And I think they knew what they were looking for at center. And I think uh, Zach Carpenter checks off a lot of those boxes that they're that, you know, Alex Mirabal and those guys are looking forward to center. So uh, definitely looking forward to, to watching him. some. he has experience, you know, of course in the big 10, you know, that power five, power four experience will translate to Miami. Whereas, you know, look, I mean, Matt Lee handled it fine, but that was a question for him coming from UCF to Miami is that week after week after week facing those power four slash power five level uh, defensive linemen and the toll that can take uh, from a physicality standpoint during the course of the season. So uh, Zach Carpenter, is a nice addition that we'll get to see this spring. How about early enrollee freshman? Who has you most intrigued? There's a lot of good options here. Yeah. As we know, Miami signed the number four class. A lot of those guys are already on campus and working and enrolled. So who would you highlight as a guy you're curious about watching this spring? <laughs> 
Yeah, I think there's a few good options. Um, I don't think there's many bad answers or wrong answers. Um, but for me, it's just, it's JoJo Trader just because I want to like again the feedback has just been so strong. Like I mean, people are just speaking so highly of him, and I've I've watched JoJo Trader since he was like a freshman in high school. I, I know what he is. Um, I know what he can be. I know he's extremely skilled and talented. Um, but I'm just kind of curious what this college variation of him sort of looks like. Uh, what what maybe again? I know it hasn't been a lot of time, but he spent what two full months in a college strength and conditioning program so far. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just I'm curious to see what he's kind of looking like physically these days. Uh, again, knowing he's obviously far from where he will be, you know, six months down the line. But I'm just kind of curious to see like how it's kind of translating and to see if what's what people are saying about him so far in the offseason. Maybe it's maybe it's just a lot of we know Jojo's very, very skilled and very talented and right. he can do things that a lot of people aren't aren't doing. And maybe Miami for a lot of is, is, they're kind of seeing it for the first time. As far, yeah, they're yeah. learning. They're still in the learning process about him. And uh, again, so maybe a lot of the stuff he's doing is just, I mean, it wows everyone who sees him, right? Like you mm -hmm. at the Under Armour game, everyone that saw Jojo was just like, what's this kid doing? Like now all the other kids are trying to do what he's doing and they can't do it. And uh, they're trying to like kind of copy the flashy one-handed catches and all just the different things that he can do. He is incredibly skilled, but I'm just kind of curious to see what, uh, how, how, how maybe they try to implement him into things and what role he's going to kind of have and just where they kind of line him up, all those types of things. If, if he's going to truly compete, if he's, you know, compete for maybe one of those outside jobs, is he going to push Isaiah Horton? Um, can he factor in like a lot of those things? I just think jo Jojo trader, um, I think he is extremely talented. And I think if there's someone on offense who could maybe be one of those like early impact type of guys in this offense, I, I could definitely see, see it being Jojo trader. I think it'd be big for Miami's program in general. Cause like, you know, they want to be a balanced offense that attracts some of the best high school wide receiver recruits in the country year after year after year. One of the easiest ways to to do that is to play a talented true freshman that goes out and produces as a true freshman. So, yeah, you know, he's got to go earn it, of course, but I think that would be huge for the program if JoJo is ready. Um, he was certainly on my short list here to highlight. I think the guy I'll go with is his high school teammate. Yeah. And we kind of hinted at it earlier, but Zaquan Patterson, the the safety, um, you know, the, the more I think about it, the more Miami really needs him Yes. To, to earn some sort of rotational role. I, you know, he has the physical talent to do it and play right away. But the question with, with all freshmen, this isn't just Zaquan, but with all freshmen, you know, coming in is, are you ready to be a pro right away with, with your everyday approach as you transition to college, which of course is a big transition for any freshman beyond football player, uh, any, any freshman going to college, it's a transition. Uh, but you know, from a college football player standpoint, it's, you know, are, are you still in that freshman or high school mindset of, you know, I can, I'm a very talented player and I can just kind of go through the motions and my time will come eventually, or are you going to really press and be about your business, you know, from day one and try and help the team, try and push for a legitimate role. I think Saquon could help the team as a big nickel. I don't know if starter, but you know, rotational at least big nickel here as a true freshman. He has the talent to do it. Um, I think 
if he's focused, he certainly has the mindset to do it as well. But it's just that everyday grind, you know, are you able to handle that as a true freshman? That's kind of what Zaquan and JoJo, you know, all these freshmen have to answer here as, uh, you know, as they make the jump from high school to college. Yeah, it, it's definitely a big jump. And I think that's a challenge with any with any freshman is, is discovering that like, hey, you go to you go to school, maybe you go to school in the morning and you have an afternoon practice and all that stuff. And you're the best player. You've been the best player in the world since you were little and you always were the best and you always have been the best. And now you get to college and it's like, wait, all these guys are way older than me, way stronger than me, way faster than me. And if I want, you got to kind of catch up. You got to, you're not that guy anymore. You're still a very talented player, but you're not that guy anymore. And I think, you know, for a guy like Zaquan Patterson, who's been like an all American type of player since he was in middle school and, you know, he was an FBU all American as a freshman, all that stuff. Like he's been the guy always is just kind of go, being able to kind of, be diligent about the process and understand what you got to do and handle your business. And Zaquan Patterson is incredibly talented and he can, he has this, he has the ability to, to play as a true freshman and to be a guy who can contribute and be one of these freshmen standouts, similar to Ruben Bain and Francis Mawanoa and uh, you know, all a couple of these other guys that have come through, but it's about, again, just, are you going to do, are you going to go through the, are you going to do the right things constantly to put yourself in the position to do so? And again, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about Zaquan Patterson, about Jojo Trader, about a lot of these different guys, uh, the Nike cars, um, you know, uh, Marquise Lightfoot, those mm -hmm. we're, we're going to learn a lot about all those guys this spring about just going through that process. And there's a learning curve, of course, but I, I think, I think it's going to be a big spring for, for Zaquan Patterson. And as far as just the, the, uh, the opportunity to compete for something meaningful and impactful and being a part of this, this 2024 roster, like this team that, that, that gets on the field. So Zaquan and Jojo are, are 2024 signees, early enrollees. I want to talk about a 2023 signee. So it's, it's essentially year two for those guys. And a lot of guys, again, it takes some, you know, not everyone is just ready to go right when they arrive at the college level. Some guys take some time or some guys get to play a little bit and they, they need that confidence before they really take off. So I'm curious, Gabby, if you're, if we're talking 2023 signee, who would you like to see level up? And you can go any direction with, you can go with a guy that played a bunch last year yeah. and still has more meat on the bone to improve or a guy that we didn't really see at all last year that you think can uh, help the team in a meaningful way this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I I basically picked one guy on offense, one guy on defense. I'll be brief on both, but uh, okay. you know, just just because I feel like there's so many, and I think there's a lot of guys who could take that next step on offense. For me, I kind of wrestled with this, but I ended up I landed on Chris Johnson on um, yeah. just because I think at running back, I, I think that he has an opportunity it's, to get on the field. Yeah, that yeah. that elite speed. I think Miami really, really, really wants to see him come along. I think Miami really wants him to take that next step. I think that they want him to be a part of this rotation. They think he's supremely talented and obviously insanely fast uh, with that with that track speed. He's the fastest player on the team uh, by a long shot. Uh, I, I think uh, I think he's someone. I think Chris Johnson leveling up would ease a lot of kind of maybe concerns about the running back position just because I think him taking that next step would be so big um, on defense. I'm going to go Marcellus Pulliam. Um, I don't know if that's a name people might be expecting to hear, but look again, I, I I've mentioned it before. I think this is going to be a big, a big spring for Wesley Besaint. And I think a, a lot of it is because Marcellus Pulliam's kind of coming along too. And they think that he's someone that could truly push 
you know, Kiko and Wesley are the only two linebackers that are coming back with like a real bulk of experience. Mm -hmm. uh, Pulliam kind of flashed at times and they've been, they've liked what they've seen from him. And I think Pulliam has a chance to, to, on, to, you know, push Wesley Besaint in that will linebacker role uh, as far as, you know, maybe even cutting into his playing time or, you know, potentially just challenging him for, for a job because of, or whatever the case is. I think there'll be a, a real competition this, this spring because Pulliam, I think has a chance to, uh, you know, again, take that next step. And if he does take that next step, I think that would be just be good for the room in general. And yeah. two, uh, I think it would be a really, really healthy competition there. So I think Pulliam is quietly uh, a name on defense that uh, a rising, you know, sophomore, I guess, redshirt freshman that I think has a chance to to take a big next step. Yeah. So Chris Johnson, you know, if he's ready to go this year and, and contribute in a meaningful way, that would be huge for the room and the offense because, you know, you look at the running back room, there's not really another guy that has that home run speed. Um, they have some big bodied guys and they have some, I would say, agility guys. Uh, but in terms of just pure speed, it's Chris Johnson, uh, but he's got to go earn it. And with Marcellius, like you're saying, you know, you go and look last year at the snap counts for the linebackers. They played four linebackers at least 390 snaps on the season. Um, and two of those guys are, are no longer on the team with KJ Cloyd moving on and Corey Flagg uh, transferring for his final year at the college level. So there is a big opportunity for a guy like Apolium, uh, even if he is a rotational player. Uh, Miami slash Lance Gidry showed that they do like to rotate in linebackers um, during the course of the year, for me, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a guy that did play last year and, you know, flash some talent. I will say Damari Brown. Yeah, I think you know we saw Damari, you know, again flash some tantalizing potential as a true freshman last year, but now I think it's time for him to emerge as, frankly, cornerback one. You know, during the course of the spring slash after the spring. Um, and, and, you know, this is a process of, you know, basically going from, you know, being a player that is good for a freshman to just playing good. And I think Damari has that type of talent, has that type of ability, uh, but he does need to improve his consistency level a little bit in, in my mind. And I am curious just in general, what type of jump Damari can make this year, um, I think you could argue he is one of the more important players on the defense uh, that Miami needs to maximize this offseason. And uh, again, if if Damari takes that jump and then your top two corners are Damari Brown and Daryl Porter, you're feeling much, much better about Miami's defense in general and Miami's secondary too uh, because those are two nice corners to start with. Um, and, and you also have Jadis Richard as well. Uh, I am curious, you know, if they play kind of more of a true corner at the nickel spot, which one of those three would slide in there. Um, but anyways, that's another conversation. Damari <laughs> Brown is the guy who I think it would be huge if he takes that level up in terms of being like, he's a good freshman to nope. He's a good player you know, one of the, I don't know, eight best corners in the ACC. 
Yeah, and I think one place where maybe I'm encouraged by that is, you know, just again, just some of the what I've heard about Chevis Jackson, uh, you know, just since he's kind of been at my even like during the the process of Miami gonna just going through that interview process was just how much better Marshall's cornerbacks got under Chevis Jackson, how much how much they developed during that 2022 season where David, you I mean, you ran through all the the stats yeah. earlier in the show. Uh, you know, just kind of talking to some people who are familiar with with Jackson and and that Marshall situation. I mean, that was one thing that they said about Chevis Jackson was just the development of the corners under Chevis Jackson in that 2022 season was so like it was so noticeable. It, it was a big reason why they were able to kind of do a lot of the things that they did defensively. And I don't know, maybe that's uh, apart from just the familiarity and Blanskidri getting his guy that, sure. that just that, that maybe that ability to develop and kind of get the most out of what you have um, maybe is, is, is a reason is, is somewhere where we can be encouraged that Chevis Jackson uh, can tap into Damari Brown some more and, and get, you know, start to get that out of him where they, he's, he's just kind of squeezing all the juice out of that orange and uh, he's able to kind of get the most out of the, um, I mean, uh, I think Damari Brown has a ton of potential. You talked about how he has potential, all ACC potential, whatever that's whatever, regardless of which team that's on, like he has the potential to be an all conference type of player. I agree. And uh, let's see, I think it's, it's going to be a good opportunity for Chevis Jackson to kind of flex those developmental um abilities where he can kind of potentially get the most out of of a guy like Damari Brown I'm I think that Damari Brown is uh, he's definitely the 2023 signee uh at least one of them who uh could make the biggest jump even as a guy who played a lot last year so I think Damari Brown's a great answer there another part of spring that's important is talent acquisition uh so let's quickly just run through yes. this Gabby and Let's start with the high school players. You know, spring is important time for unofficial visits. Um, you know, whether that's taking in a practice or being at the spring game there in mid-April. Uh, but you already have an idea about some of the guys that are expected to, to roll through Miami at some point during the spring. And so I think it's valuable for you to, you know, share a handful of names that, that the fans should be aware of. Yep. Um, that are expected to roll through here during the spring. So the floor is yours. You can take this however you want to take this. Yeah, we'll, we'll just roll through um, just five guys who, and I know we plenty more, and we'll have constant boots on the ground coverage of every spring practice and all the prospects who are going to each practice, but just big picture names, important names that I think Miami uh, already has plans to get down to the spring that already has, you know, kind of dates or time frames kind of locked in or close to locked in. Um, I, I think these are, this is a group of guys that are important. Let's start with Jalen Matthews, the top two, four, seven offensive tackle out of Tom's river, New Jersey. Uh, he stands at six foot. See, we have him listed at six foot five, 290 pounds. Uh, maybe he's a little bigger than that. I'm not sure people say he is. Uh, we'll see. Um, but he's a top offensive tackle prospect who, uh, the Hurricanes have been really, really high on Mario Cristobal. Alex Mirabal went to go visit him during the contact period. Uh, Jalen Matthews will take his first visit down to Miami in late later on in March and then has an official visit locked in for the summer. So I think that's a big one. Uh, Zayden Walker, the five-star linebacker out of out of uh, South Georgia. He's already been to Miami three times uh, as a recruit. I think he will get down. I'm hearing he will get down a fourth time in late March as well. 
Uh, so I think Miami is expected to get Zayden Walker back down for a couple days. I think he'll probably be around for two different spring practices later on in the month of March. Uh, that's the buzz I'm getting right now. So uh, I would definitely stay top 10 player, top 10 player in the country. Number one linebacker in the country, Zayden Walker, a big, big deal. And uh, one of Miami's top defensive targets, uh, Elias Williams is a five-star tight end, the number one tight end in the country, committed to Georgia. Miami's been chopping wood there and chopping wood and chopping wood and chopping wood. And uh, again, he is committed to Georgia. Florida State's also involved, but Miami is heavily involved as well. I think Elias Williams will get down to Miami at some point, potentially early on this spring. I wouldn't be surprised if it's sometime during the first week of spring practice. That's some of the buzz I'm getting. We'll see if that kind of follows through. I don't think that those plans are like, written in Sharpie, but I think those are some plans that are in the works. So I would keep an eye on Miami and Elias Williams to see if he if he does make it down during that first week of spring football. I think that would be a huge deal. I mean, he's as much as Miami loves the rest of the tight end board. There's no doubt that Elias Williams is not only the top tight end prospect, he's, freak, right? he's like total, total, like, again, I haven't watched enough of him to like know, but just what what I've heard, like college feedback that I've gotten is that he's one of the best tight end. He he might be the best tight end prospect in like a few cycles. Like there's like, apparently Elias Williams is just totally freaky, uh, but he's a, he's a basketball player, high level basketball player. Uh, he's a absolute freak football player guy who can just be in a, an elite pass catching threat but also kind of already has a frame to kind of do it at the line of scrimmage and is willing to to get his hands and put his hand in the dirt and block to a uh, big big time tight end target again not super surprising he's going to georgia because georgia is recruiting tight ends uh, with the best of them but he is looking at florida state and miami still and i think it would be big if miami does get him down for the first time Another top tight end target who I think Miami's really excited about is Brock Schott out of Indiana. He's a, I think he's like, we have him ranked as like the number 11 tight end in the country. Miami loves him. He's one of the top two-way players in the country. I think he had like 32 tackles for loss and 19 sacks as a defensive end and then caught for like almost, for like 700 and something yards. And uh, he he's a freak athlete at tight end that Miami's sky high on. Uh, he's going to get down later in March as well. Uh, I think he, I think potentially getting a guy like Brock Shot on the board. And the thing about Brock Shot that he, is a big reason why I kind of threw him on this list is because it sounds like he might be making a spring decision. So he might not even wait until the official visit process in the summer to announce his commitment. I think he's almost it's almost like he's treating these spring unofficial visits like official visits as far as the weight that they're going to have on his recruitment. So when Brock Shot does get down here, Miami's almost treating it as though it's as important as an official visit because they understand the timeline. Uh, the last one I'll throw on there is Alvin Henderson. Uh, he's one of Miami's top running back targets. Uh, out of the state of Alabama. He was down for junior day. He uh, he was at a Miami home game last fall. Uh, I'm hearing he's going to be back down on March 28th for a spring practice. So that'll be another opportunity for him to get back down. And that's where he will meet uh, running backs coach Matt Merritt for the first time. Those two are already developing uh, a nice bond. So plenty more, plenty of more yeah. prospects will be in Coral Gables this spring. But I think those are five that are, are worth highlighting here for this podcast. Yeah. Big-time national recruits, which is how Miami approaches things now in the Mario Cristobal era. And, you know, as you look back on on these springs of the Mario Cristobal era, it's a good little clue as to who they have legitimate shots at landing, um, whether that's in the summer or in the fall or even right before the early signing period in December. So there's some good names to know. We'll see if they actually make it down because things can change. Uh, with high school recruiting. Last thing I want to touch on 
with talent acquisition talk, Gabby, is, you know, just in general, again, we talked about how spring football is a time for a staff to assess its roster and kind of make some decisions on, hey, if an intriguing player at this position group enters the portal, maybe we should attack it. Um, but going into the spring, Gabby, what are the vibes you get in terms of like areas that need to be addressed in the transfer portal? Or what does Miami think the position groups are that they'd like to attack in the spring window going into the spring? Yeah, I think the big one is is outside wide receiver. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's necessarily shying away from that. I think everyone knows the importance of of having a big time outside receiver. So I think that's probably the biggest one. If I had to point to one specific position, it would probably be that. Um, I think I think Miami's closely monitoring the running back situation. Uh, not even saying they will go transfer portal, but I think that's a that's a room that they're kind of looking to evaluate this spring. I would say the same thing about linebacker. I mean, keep talking about you know how big that will linebacker. Uh, competition is this spring. I think Miami's looking at that will linebacker competition very closely and seeing uh, how that kind of plays out, how, uh, you know, just how those guys kind of compete this spring. Uh, you look at the cornerback depth. I think cornerback is a, is another one. That's just like, if you can go find a guy uh, at corner who can help you, I think that you potentially go do that, even if it's someone who can just be solid depth. Um, so I, I think those are those are a few. Uh, Safety is another one that comes to mind. I just don't think that that's like a priority. I don't think Miami, um, you know, for example, there was a report that uh, the Jacoby Matthews from Texas A&M uh, was hitting the transfer portal. And I got a bunch of questions like, oh, is Miami going to go after him? Like, oh, well, like, I think that's maybe a wait and see type of deal. Like, I don't think that Miami's urgently looking for another safety. I think they feel okay about the two that they got uh, in Michelle mm -hmm. Powell and Savion Riley. And again, we'll see what that looks like after yeah, performance the performance can change that. Right, you know. right. But I don't think right now that Miami's like urgently like, oh, we need to find another safety. I would probably put those other positions ahead of um, I would put those other positions ahead of maybe how Miami views the safety room right now. Yeah, which are, correct me if I'm wrong, but those are positions that have not been addressed yet in the portal by Miami, right? In the winter window. Right, right. right. So, and I do think that there's other, that I do think that there's other places where Miami could potentially go and find just additional depth help or, or yeah, additional yeah. depth or anything. I'm not saying that Miami is going to totally ignore some places. Again, I think this is a big year. Um, you know, I think they could always add numbers along the defensive line. Like I think that they'll, they're, they're never going to be, a, they're not never going to shy away from throwing numbers at that room. And, um, yeah. I think that there's other spots too, where Miami could easily just go find someone. So, um, I think that they'll be pretty open-minded, but I think those are some of the, the priorities right now. All right. Good stuff. Again, spring football, right around the corner. Uh, we will be there for the practices and, and we'll do maybe some quick hitter, um, uh, post-practice uh, podcasts here to keep things current uh, as much as possible. But looking forward to off-season football again. It's it's a big year for Miami as they look to level up the program uh, to one that can legitimately compete for an ACC championship. And uh, that process starts during the month of spring football. So appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we will get things rolling here soon in the month of March. And until next time, take care.